Why'd I marry my Pooh Bear? You think I look like your stuffed animal? You do. Look at the worried look on his face. Um, well, welcome everyone to Lunch Therapy. I'm here once again with my husband, Craig Johnson. Hello. I'm Adam Roberts. I don't know if I ever say that at the beginning. Um, and the dialogue you just heard was Craig looking at his childhood stuffed animal, which is a stuffed bear that has no a torn off nose. Um, no, it's not torn off. It's just subtle. And he's a little chubby. And you said that you think you married your childhood stuffed animal? It's mostly animal. the stressed, worried look of anxiety on his face. That's what makes you think that, um, <laughs> you, that, um, you're, that that's what you married? Well. Okay. Nate, why do you seem so nervous about it? I think you should own your ideas. Well, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> if you want me to play therapist here yeah, sure. and, and start talking about some, some of your issues, you, sometimes you can be a little anxious, uh-huh. you know, be a little nervous about things, sure. maybe you have a worried look on your face. Okay, I'll accept that. I think, you know, change begins with self-awareness. Okay, thank you. Um, well, so we are here once again for an intro. Today's podcast is an exciting one because we have Deb Perelman from Smitten Kitchen, who's probably one of the most successful food bloggers, if not the most successful of all time. And she's still doing it now in an yeah. era where food blogging uh, isn't as as common. No, it's true. But you know, Do you I, feel like food blogging has run its course? I think that food blogging... As I think there's two different kinds of food blogs. I think they're, they're the ones that people just sort of did as a hobby. And then there are the ones that became almost like magazines. And Smitten Kitchen is almost like a mag, like a self-published magazine, as is David Leibovitz. Right. Um, and I think that they operate on a totally different level. I mean, for me, blogging at its most pure form is almost just like dispatches just from the, you know, just like, oh, here, I ate this today, you know, which in fact, I started to do again on my blog, but, it, it, you know, it's just sort of for fun. Um, but before we get to the interview with Deb, um, you and I had lunch together yesterday. We did? Yes. Oh, yeah, we went to Dune Falafel, which we talked about in the last... But something happened there. Uh, you got mad at me for some reason. No, you got mad at me for some reason. I don't remember. You don't remember what happened yesterday at lunch? I, I must blank out all of our meals together. Because um, you were eating a sandwich. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Yeah. And I had some, uh, I was eating it. And I had a little bit of like some crumbs on my Well, first face. you had some mayonnaise on your face. And I told you you had mayonnaise on your face, which you wiped off. Right. But then you had crumbs on your face. And I took a napkin and I started wiping it. And do you remember what you said to me when I did that? Why don't you quote me? You said, stop it. You're not my mother. <laughs> Uh, so that tracks yeah but, but that that sounds but you right you really legitimately didn't like it that i, I did not like i that. wiped crumbs off your face no i did not like but that. why didn't you like it because that is what a mother does to an eight-year-old boy and you have to assume that when your grown husband is eating uh his lunch that eventually he will wipe his own mouth <laughs> but it seemed to trigger something in you that went deeper than just about crumbs on your face and me wiping them off, it seemed like there was a well of deep resentment that came burbling to the surface in terms of the idea of me being that's a, a, a li- mother that's figure. That's a little strident, a well of deep resentment. Oh, maybe that's, that's a little true. extreme. Sorry, I use big words. But I meant um, that there seemed to be a sense of deep anger that I was doing this to you. More just a flash of extreme annoyance. But why? Because I did not marry my mother. <laughs> That's why. I don't know how else to put it. You kind of did, though. Well, 
uh, in that you're a caregiver and that yeah. you like to nurture uh-huh. and you like to provide. That's and you true. like to be mothered. Uh, in some ways, but not, not like that. Not like that's literal mothering. Like you might as well have like spit on a little <laughs> napkin and like grabbed me by the back of the hair and like wiped my face down. Maybe this is getting too personal for the podcast. Maybe so. Or maybe it's just personal enough. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Let your listeners decide. Well, I'm glad that the moment was so significant for you that you completely forgot it when I brought it up just now. Well, I mean, it didn't have it didn't have a larger impact uh, for the rest of my day or anything. It was just this flash of annoyance, and I expressed myself. I'm very good at expressing myself in the mm-hmm. moment, and then that was it. I got over it. So today is Friday. We were recording this before we um, posted on Monday, or I posted on Monday. And do you have intent? Uh, lunch intent? Do you know what your intention is for the day in terms of lunch? I've not given one second of thought to lunch. <laughs> That's no. a big difference between us. It is a huge difference. Like yeah. I've already thought out like every meal I'll be having for the next three days. I know. I know. No, I'm going to wing it. I don't know. My go-to is a uh, sandwich at wax paper. Oh, do you want to talk about wax paper? Well, wax paper is this delicious sandwich place in Frogtown and the sandwiches are named after NPR personalities. Mm-hmm. So you can order the Terry Gross or the Lakshmi Singh. And what's on the Terry the Gross? Steve Julian. The Terry Gross is my favorite. Yeah. It is like fully loaded on focaccia with smoked turkey. Um, this kind of like chickpea and cabbage slaw. Uh, some pepper jack cheese. Um, it's it's but and it's just packed. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. And you go there all the time. I love it. I think you keep them in business. No, it's packed. I'm, there's lots of people that go there. And I've had that sandwich, which was good. But I got it without the cheese, which angered you. Yeah, I didn't like it because the cheese adds really like the spark of flavor that the sandwich I needs. Hate, I think to work. I hate cheese and turkey. I don't together. think you do. I think this is a, a, a some mental thing you decided uh-huh. years ago. No, I just don't like. The combination. I don't. Of cheese I think you decided you don't. And no, then I you don't. Won't, I can won't explain why. Because it. it's like soft, like meat, and then like soft cheese together. Ugh, it's just so but gross. The, but it's the flavor profile, like the cheese on a turkey sandwich, especially if it's like a, a like a sharp cheddar or like a pepper jack, just adds this burst of flavor, this brightness of flavor that otherwise mm, sandwich can be a little bland. Um, well, I appreciate, I hear what you're saying about that oh. sandwich and I, maybe one day we'll try it the way you had, you have it. But for me, turkey and cheese together are gross. I had their Lakshmi sing there, right? Which one did I have? It was like, um. You had one that was just vegetables. Yeah, it was just vegetables. They weren't crazy about it. No, it was a lot of raw vegetables on a they sandwich. They do a one that's a twist on a banh mi. That's uh-huh. delicious. Yeah. Um, they have one that's basically like a deli, you know, sort of. What are all those deli Italian deli? Oh, like um, like um, like yeah, like, like a, a hero fancy bologna. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they have a bunch of others. So if you're ever in Frogtown on the east side of Los Angeles, go buy wax paper and get yourself a Terry Gross. So you always get it and take it home, which is significant because like that one of my big things about where I go to lunch is I like to sit there and usually I read the New Yorker, humble brag, um, and I. Um, don't love the setup there. Like I wouldn't just go by myself there and because it's like six tables outside in the sun that are crammed with people. Yeah. I'm not crazy about that. I, that's why I take the sandwich. Yeah. Um, But for me, like I, most of the places I choose to go to lunch have a cute little like area to sit and read and eat and, 
I, I, I actually prefer like little Dom's deli is almost always empty at lunch. And so I'd love to go there. And there's a place near, near it. That's amazing for lunch called all time. And I'll probably go there today because I'm having lunch with my friend Diana. All time's tasty. It's really good, but it's packed. And so if I'm by myself, I'll, I'll always go to little Dom's deli just because I want to sit in an empty deli. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I here's a big difference between you and me. I will often eat leftovers for lunch. Oh yeah. Like you'll cook something and people always ask us because you cook a lot. How come you guys aren't so aren't completely fat? And it's because we don't eat everything like the entire dish of whatever it is that you cooked. We mm-hmm. exercise a little bit of portion control and there's often leftovers and I'll have the leftovers for lunch. Aren't you, Mr. Impressive? Well, I'm not trying to impress. I'm just talking <laughs> about a difference between you like to have just a fresh new food experience, I think, yeah. every day. Well, it's not even that. I do eat leftovers when you're not here. I don't eat it for lunch. So I need to get out of the house at lunch. That's a big part of it as I need to leave this apartment at lunch because I've been here all morning and I need to start my day yeah. or just get out of the house. Um, well, speaking of getting out of the house, I was in New York a couple weeks ago visiting Craig and... Um, I decided to interview all the people that you've been listening to recently. And Deb Perelman from Smitten Kitchen agreed to meet with me. We've known each other for a long time. Deb started her food blog around the same time I think I did. Um, Hers blew up, though. I mean, she has millions of followers, millions of readers. She's written two cookbooks. And the Smitten Kitchen cookbook... um, came out at number two on the New York Times bestseller list when it came out. And actually, it was really funny. She and I did an event at the New York Public Library when both of our books came out. And we did a Q&A and I interviewed her there in front of people. And afterwards, there were two tables set up with me with my cookbook and her with her book. And if you saw like a, a, a picture of the image, of it was like a line snaked through the hallways everywhere, all lined up to meet Deb. And at my table, there were like four people who were like, I like your blog. Uh, so she's always been very popular. Were but, they four people from the Dark Crystal? <laughs> yes, exactly. But um, Deb is amazing. And this is a really fun interview. And before we get to it, I just want to remind you, if you haven't already, um, you can subscribe to Lunch Therapy in iTunes. Just go to podcasts on your phone and type in Lunch Therapy and click subscribe. And while you're there, I say this every week, but it makes such a huge difference. Um, please review it. In fact, this week, and I don't know if it was because all of you have been so kind and been been reviewing it, but this was the first week we were featured under food on iTunes. So keep doing it, keep reviewing, keep listening. And otherwise here, without further ado, is my interview with Deb Perelman. I'm trying to use the city bike as like a good way to get over your bike phobia because I was like absolutely like white face terror, yeah. like terrified. Like well, when I would, as a driver in LA though, like, <laughs> I anytime Craig thinks it's hilarious because anytime I drive past a bicyclist, I'm like this is suicide. Like I feel like they're committing suicide. Like I think it's so terrifying. It's okay. Every time I bike past a driver, I'm like I'm gonna die here. Like, yeah, this is, this is, like, and I have to like call my husband. Do I have? <laughs> but I think it's. I mean the fact. That, so we should say that you bicycled over here. Yes, I bicycled like, over in here. Case people miss that. From, okay, like, sorry. Lead in. No, no. <laughs> Because we just hit record. So. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is this, is this thing on? Oh, it's on. This thing is on. <laughs> so you bicycle here. That's so cool. I did. I feel like it's my goal, day. like talking to you today is like, you know, what are the things people don't know about you? Because I feel like you put a lot out there. <laughs> and there's things you probably don't put out there, too. Okay. And one of them might be that you bicycle everywhere. I do. I don't bicycle everywhere. I've been in, I've, for the last couple of months, I've been in a phase with it because I got my mom's old bike tuned up. And so, okay. and we have a little space in our, we have a patio. So we just kind of dump our bikes out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to enjoy it while I have an apartment with a patio and while you're in that very narrow overlap of weather 
where it's like nice out and Mm -hmm. not snowing and not 99 degrees. This would be like all year round for you in LA, (laughs) I understand. I bet you miss that a whole lot about New York. I do. I miss the weather. I I never complained. When I lived in New York, I never complained about freezing cold winters. I did complain Mm -hmm. about very hot, muggy summers. But I miss the changing of the seasons. You don't, it doesn't feel like time passes in LA. That's very interesting. I have no sense of time. Like, I don't know when anything happened. Okay, like, Mr. I miss seasons, though. Like, let me talk to you in May when it's, like, still 20 degrees. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, once we put our boots and, like, our corduroys on, like, that's it. You're not taking them off till May. Right. So when people, like, jump the gun on it, I'm uh-huh. like, what are you waiting? Like, I know. put well, this off. <laughs> LA is funny in that, re- in that regard, too, because people, um, they're so dramatic. Like, they, they put on, like, scarves and wings. <laughs> It's 55 degrees. <laughs> I just go back up recording in case you're curious what that is. Okay, I like it. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, like it's, yeah, LA, it's, I mean, it's a hard thing to complain about because it's so comfortable and, mm-hmm. co- you know, it's like, oh my God, it's, but, and now I'm so spoiled. So, like, when it gets down to like 40 in the winter, we have the heat blasting. I'm like making Cocoa Vaughn, like, this <laughs> rough winter in LA. It's kind of, I mean, I, on the plus side, it is kind of the perfect amount of weather because you do get a little change, mm-hmm. it gets a little cool. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like heaven to me. I don't feel really? like it's just, we had like so many heat waves this summer in New York and it's just, it's just horrible. It's just like objectively horrible. It's not right. normal to be 95 degrees with 100% humidity and concrete, how, dirty concrete. How rooted are you in New York? Though? I mean, are you going to be here forever? I don't really plan on leaving. I love the idea of doing like a year or two in LA or Paris. Like I'm trying to put this out there in the wind and yeah. hope, like it's a little bit hard with like family to just like pop over to another city. I'd love to try living somewhere else for a year or two or get like Ina Garten famous so I could have like an apartment in every city like that's definitely a fantasy I think you're on your way I do oh am I because yes. I looked at my checking account it definitely <laughs> did not look like Ina Garten had been you there you don't have a barn or uh, <laughs> there's just no barn there's no <laughs> I do feel like you are the heir to the throne of Ina Garten I mean come on I maybe mean, I'll be like your middle class Ina <laughs> <laughs> have you met her yet I met her once actually and she's absolutely lovely like I know everyone says that but like yeah. she's really lovely and um, she's um, very down to earth and I think she she knows what she's doing and I'm like what's that like <laughs> did she ask about me or if she was just yeah like, you know it, it almost came up really. <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't remember who I am either oh, but, I um, well it was so funny because Craig and I went to Paris last year um, for Christmas was that last year or two hey. years ago I don't even remember again, again time makes no sense to me <laughs> but um, I got food poisoning the last night I won't mm. say where I ate but I ate a dish that had um, calamari and tripe together and interesting and very sick uh, wow we're, like they whatever happened to that if it grows together it goes together yeah, I'm like that's like together. But I, so I got very sick that night and then the next morning we got on we got on our plane to go home to JFK and Ina was on the flight and which you got to see her every time you went to the bathroom <laughs> yeah. no I mean, we, we had used all our miles to fly back first class we've never we'd never flown to Europe first class oh. so we, were, we were in first class and I heard this very nasal voice and it was Jeffrey he was like excuse me I'm coming through oh my god did you talk to them <laughs> no and then, then I, I was like who I was like what voice is that and I was like oh my god and then so then there was this moment I'll never forget it for as long as I live where it was like halfway through the flight Ina took a walk and she was walking right towards me and I we locked eyes and she knew this gay guy knows who I am and loves me. <laughs> She's like, and these are my people. <laughs> I felt like I don't want to throw up on Ina Garden, so I didn't say anything, and that was it. People, everybody on the plane must have known who she was, though. Oh She's God. so famous. And the fact that we were flying from Paris to New York with Ina Garden, I mean, I, it's probably so the highlight cool. of my life. I would have just been like, what'd she say? What'd she say? <laughs> and they're probably just talking about like, what to eat for dinner tonight, you know, right. like, where to eat when they get back, but... <laughs> That's so, so funny. So Deb, like, I feel like um, I know all the things that are going on with you, but like, can you catch us up? Like, I feel like you, you know, you have, you have 
the second book that came out. Um, I mean, what are they? I'm putting this face. I'm like, wait, am I doing things? I don't think I'm doing anything. I have a column in Bon Appetit magazine. Okay, so I have a column in Bon Appetit. Yes, and I've written two cookbooks. The first one came out in 2012, and the second one came out in the fall of 2017. I'm extremely slow at cookbooks. So, like, if I was a normal cookbook author, or like at least an Ina Garden, which is definitely not normal, like, I would have another cookbook out now, but I'm like, starting to think about it. There's so much work. <laughs> There's, I mean, you have to test all these recipes and come up with new things and, you know. I like a lot of time to, like, refill the well. Yeah. You know, I don't want to tap from the same energy in the same place. I like time passing and, like, traveling a little bit whenever I can and, like, absorbing new experiences and trying new foods and, like, coming back from, like, a different place. Otherwise, when I feel like I'm just tapping the same content and trying to make it, like, a different shape every Absolutely. couple years. Absolutely. You just went to Ireland, didn't you? We just went to Ireland. Tell us about that. What, what made you choose Ireland for a family vacation? <laughs> that's, that's so great. So why Ireland? Yeah. No, it looked beautiful. Okay. It really it did look incredible. It is so stunning. Yeah. So, okay, so we were like a lot of people who have young kids, people who did not travel. We wanted to. We used to travel before we had kids, but we just got really bad at it. And then a bunch of years ago, we were having this conversation with friends who also had young kids. And they're like, us too. Mm-hmm. What if we just did it? Yeah. Like, what if we just did it together? So we started going on vacation with this other family. I want to say four. Okay, so the first year we we were in the Hamptons, actually, which is not like a foreign vacation. The second year, you we tried the next to get. Garden. You went to no, the Hamptons. I've been to the Hamptons one week of my entire life, <laughs> okay. and it was, I'm like the last week of August one year ever. Like one, like I've never been back ever. Okay, um, fair enough. So the next year, we were looking for. This is how it came up. We were looking for that same house again because we'd actually gotten a really good deal, and it was a cute house, mm-hmm. and it wasn't available, and everything else was just wildly expensive. And my friend was like, you know. We could get a villa in Portugal for, you know, less. Of course, you're going to pay for airfare, but then you're going to be in Portugal. Sure. So we went to Portugal. Oh. And it was so cool. And uh, look, it's obviously a very different vacation when you're with kids. Like, no, I did not see any museums. Wait, this is before Ireland? This is, yeah. So this, I'm g- giving the background. So oh, okay. I tell, like, long stories. I'm like, we're going <laughs> to no. be here all day, right? No, because like, Portugal, so, no, wait, like, where did that fit in? This is with Ireland. So anyway, we went, to, we went to Portugal, and then we went to Spain the next year with them. And then we mm. felt like we hadn't seen enough Spain, and we did Spain again, because we did the Bar- Barcelona in the north and then we did Madrid in the south the second time and then this year they couldn't come with us and so we went to our like dream list of places we wanted to go we tried to pick a place that was higher on our list than it was on theirs so they weren't going to like miss out Uh and that's where Ireland came up because Alex my husband and I have always wanted to go there and um, we just we just were like this is perfect you know and it won't be too hot and it will be like it was actually it was just so lovely and so gorgeous it's like absolutely stunning your daughter looks like uh, the character in that Pixar movie about Ireland. <laughs> what's a that, little bit. That wait, that? wait, isn't that Scottish? Marit- oh, yeah, Marit- I'm say it right. Um, so wait, which one was that? I feel like I'm totally blanking. I'm going to say it wrong. Brave. 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 Yeah, she does look a little bit like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. She's got bright red hair. She's adorable. I, rem- I remember when she was just little and she just like had a little curly fro and one of the nurses at the doctor's office she was like, she looks like one of the little brothers in Brave. <laughs> like the little <laughs> rascals that like throw things. Wait, that, we're going to get in huge trouble because was that Ireland or was that Scotland? Scotland. It was Scotland. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, I'm in big trouble. So one of like the biggest shocks was that I'm not saying that there weren't redheads in Ireland. Of course there were. Yeah. But we went all over the country and it was just not notably significant. You had a lot of red blended hair, but you didn't see what I sort of, and this is really probably a stupid thing and I'm going to be like corrected all over the internet as one should be when they say dumb things. But um, <laughs> Only three people but, uh, listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bring three more. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but then um, I think that that image we have of that like stark red and pale, like it's not necessarily 
like you know exclusively Irish. Right. Um, did, so. did anyone think that she was an Irish? Baby. I don't think anyone even. Yeah. I don't know. It's I don't. It just like didn't come up. They right. were probably like, "Why is this child screaming and like refusing to eat like bread or something?" <laughs> How was the food in Ireland? I loved it. You know, I'd heard like in you know, all this stuff. So when we were in Dublin, it's very much a city, and so I got a lot of recommendations, and we had a lot of like kale on toast with eggs and like stuff like that, and it was wonderful. And then as we were, you know, around the country, we went to. We ended up kind of going to a lot of sort of avoiding some of the you have to go to this place place and like kind of going for more of the like the pubby fare but um mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it I don't think I ate a ton of salads while I was there right. but we definitely had a lot of like good like seafood um, bisque and like really the brown bread is just incredible there and that I see why so people get obsessed with it and the butter right the butter is unreal okay so one day we were at this cafe uh-huh. and this woman so you know you get avocado toast and they had a little cup with the avocado in it the woman was putting butter on her bread before the avocado and I was like these are my people I love it this is like I'm home (laughs) and isn't there like a big food conference every year in Ireland at the Ballymo estate or something like that so Ballymo is this really famous cooking school in Ireland it's in County Cork so it's like more a little more like southeast-ish and I I knew if I went to Ireland I had to find a way to go there I don't know if they do a specific food conference I might be wrong about this but I know they have a cooking school and there's definitely a lot of Americans come over for their five and nine week programs Mm -hmm. And they also have, they host a lot of conferences and like, I feel like they do a lot of sponsored trips. That's where I see a lot of like influencers going over there. Um, But it's a really beautiful cook. I mean, it's just started by this woman, Darina Allen and her husband and her kids run it. Like one of her kids runs it. I've seen pictures of people who go there and it's like, oh my God, what is this place? I have to get there. So we did. We did. We, um, I basically just called them like, so how can I do this? I'm like, all right, you know what? We're going to do a private cooking class. I need to like slacker children to learn how to cook. And so we made brown bread. We made this whole feast. We made butter uh-huh. um, did you do a tweet recently or an Instagram where you said that you haven't been able to figure out how to recreate the brown bread that you had in Ireland here so once I mentioned that I really enjoyed the brown bread because it's delicious I got like a million DMs where like you have to get a recipe for us Deb like yes. it's so good and I haven't been able to reverse engineer then I made and I don't mean to say like I have a magic touch but I made the first loaf I'm like this is very good I think this uh-huh. is it and I was like, what's missing? Like, what am I missing here? My question was that a lot of the brown bread had been more brown. And so people said, get the uh, Irish flour. So I got the Irish flour. It's still beige. You have <laughs> to use treacle instead of like a spoonful of molasses. I got treacle. It's still beige. And I finally realized it's probably Guinness bread. Like there's definitely versions that are probably a little puppier where they use probably some Guinness uh, so instead of that? buttermilk. I haven't done it yet because I don't want to be like, hey, kids, I made bread, but not for you. <laughs> Sorry. Not, if the alcohol bakes off, I don't really off? think it fully bakes off. I don't think it bakes long enough. I want to calm them down a little bit though I'll definitely make it for a party I could definitely <laughs> yeah. I really love the way it goes with soup and I love the way you it's it's a soda bread it's right. not it doesn't have yeast in it so you could like wake up in the morning mm-hmm. throw it in the oven go scramble some eggs and by the time it comes out like have a really nice crusty whole grain yeah. loaf of bread it's delicious I want to start making the no need bread again like I made that made that once spring back 2006 <laughs> yeah. I know right because it was so wonderful but then I just did it once but I feel like why don't I just do that like every week and have a loaf of bread that I make myself and just it's yeah. not that hard. Exactly. Yeah. Why, why am I not doing this? I'm like, going to go do that right now. Okay, bye. Actually, the first, <laughs> I have to ask you, so we're going to go right into it now. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm what ready. Did you, what did you have for lunch today, Deb? Are you ready? Yes. I had leftovers. Okay, okay. <laughs> but that could be anything. I, I mean, we need some specifics here. So I actually went out for dinner last night okay. um, with just, we were a little antsy being in the apartment, mm-hmm. <laughs> had to go out somewhere. So we went out for Uzbek. I'm hoping saying right. Uzbeki food is... From food from Uzbekistan, Central Asia. It's a restaurant called Farida. Okay. And it is on 9th Avenue, I want to say between 
38th and 39th. It's literally like two blocks south of Port Authority. My mom needed to go to Port Authority afterwards, so it worked out perfectly. <laughs> why, did she know, why did she need to go to Port Authority afterwards? Because I'm from Jersey, yo. Oh, so she needed to go home. Yeah, she needed to go home. I thought she was like, to hang out at the Port yeah, Authority. Yeah, my mom's like, why not? I'm just going to take a bus and see where it goes. No. <laughs> okay. um, but it just, I was like, let's, we were just, I was like, I want to go here. It's random. I don't have any other reason, but we'll give my mom a ride to Port Authority. How did so you hear perfect. about it? I feel like I probably saw the dumplings on Instagram. I mean, let's be realistic. Sure. It's the year 2019, and um, but it's only been open, I want to say it opened in June 2018, and mm-hmm. so I read up on it, and I've been to other Uzbek and Georgian restaurants. It's a little different, but, you know, I've had this food before, but this was just wonderful. It was so good. Like, really? every single thing that we ordered was so good. And Georgian food is very hot right now. It is. So it's yeah. not quite, like, Uzbek is sort of like, you know, it's very Georgian-influenced, and then you've got... A little bit of like I want to say you have Iran below. It's like in Central Asia, so mm-hmm. you have like the 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 stands oh, right, right. <laughs> around sure. there, and so it's sort of Uzbekistan is like right in the middle. Um, but I think one of the chef owners is from um, Kazakhstan. Okay, and so below that you have like Iran, and then over here you have Georgia. So you have like these influences. Mm-hmm. Um, in the food and it, it was just so good so the thing that I had for lunch and that we had leftover of, and I should tell our listeners that you're referring to your notes now too because I you took am, notes yeah. because I'm like I was. I really love like this is the fun part for me I yeah. love like digging in and learning sure. about like looking at a map and realizing that like oh okay so Uzbek is here and then you have like the Caspian Sea and mm-hmm. then you have Georgia and then you have the Black Sea and then you have Ukraine and my husband's family is from Ukraine right on the wow. Black Sea this is such so. a good way to think about geography too is like to do it through food because mm-hmm. I'm terrible at geography. As you're talking about all this, I'm like, I'm trying to like visualize everything in my head and I'm really bad at it. But if it was all food based, I would totally get it. But what if you weren't expected to memorize it and it was totally legit to look at a map until it made sense to you? Yeah. I didn't know this stuff before. Yeah. I looked it up. I mean, I kind of yeah. vaguely knew where the area was, but I hadn't quite pieced together. Like, so you live here. Right. Who are your neighbors? Quick question though. Were you doing this because you were coming on this podcast or are yeah. you doing this because you do this all the time when you're going to go eat at a different restaurant or don't do it all the time I was just in the mood for something different the tr- like the last several of our weekends have been so busy we've had no downtime and I keep saying to my husband if we could just have a few hours downtime on a weekend afternoon we'd feel so much better on Monday well yesterday we had a few hours of downtime on a Sunday afternoon and we were so crabby and climbing the walls oh, okay. so I was like alright we're going out for Uzbek gotcha so you had this in the back of your mind and you were like let's do this adventure exactly so, okay so now you have your notes so what, were you, now, what did you eat so you okay. the dumplings so we so since it was five of us we definitely use this as an excuse to order too many things I always um, I'm somebody who loves salad like genuinely loves mm-hmm. I don't care what Jeffrey Steingarten once said about salad I love salad <laughs> what did he say what was the he quote was, I think he he said the people who eat salad are kidding themselves this is really old and he just uh, felt like people were doing because they think they should or because they think it's healthier than yeah. cooked vegetables I'm like I actually just really like a crunchy bright thing especially because like if you're Jewish and you're in New York or even if you're not on Sunday you probably had a bagel for breakfast sure. so definitely I did today. not have yeah. salad at any point and maybe not a fresh vegetable or and fruit and I think New York I will say like coming from LA like vegetables and salads are so easy to find and get and I feel like New York it's like the, yes there's like chopped in those places mm-hmm. but if I go to a restaurant in New York it's not that easy to get some like fresh raw vegetables so I understand yeah. that craving so we had three salads okay so we ordered and they were actually but they were all great what were they <laughs> so the first one was called and I had to like look it up because I didn't remember what they called it it was um their um we had where is it um it was called well it's okay the one I had left over was their um, 
absolutely going to botch this pronunciation, okay? Sure. It's called achichuk, but it was a tomato cucumber salad, although I was reading uh-huh. that traditionally they have anything from like onions, carrots, radishes, but it was just here. I feel like there's versions of tomato cucumber salads like all over the world. You have like salad shirazi and you have Palestinian salads mm-hmm. and Israeli salads. And sure. You, have, you know, like there's a lot of versions of it, but I love that like at a restaurant like this, you can reliably get a good, crunchy, basic salad. It actually wasn't very dressed, and okay. so it made perfect leftovers rather than being oh, nice. So I had that with my lunch. And was it, were they like cubes of cucumber it's, and cubes of tomato? The tomatoes were actually kind of like maybe sliced okay. and then chopped, and the cucumbers were, it was mostly tomato. I feel like I didn't see a lot of onion, and then there was probably some dill in there. Was there a, a unique flavor profile? That, I mean, did it have anything beyond that? that it was actually some? like a little bit mildly dressed. So it was like, and I know it had oil and vinegar, but it was like pretty mild, probably because the tomato juices kind of wash it off. Uh-huh. But it was perfect. Like it was crunchy and it hit the spot. But we also had this really good avocado tomato salad that had this like lightly creamy dressing that had like lettuce leaves and whatever. And I know that doesn't sound exciting, yeah. but it was really good avocado and a lot of it, which is in on the East Coast, <laughs> not something we get <laughs> right. every day. Like sure. uh, like avocado is like a huge crapshoot. But what I have, if, if you had taken if you had shown me the salad, would I have guessed that this was from a New Zbecky restaurant? Like, not the avocado tomato okay. salad, but it was delicious and it. You know what I also thought? Like, each salad was perfectly dressed and seasoned. I would say mm-hmm. the tomato cucumber was a little under, but... And we also had this cabbage salad. I oh, If there's a cabbage salad, I will always order it. Okay. And my family was like, yeah? <laughs> That's like coleslaw, right? <laughs> um, it was actually more in a vinaigrette. It was like slightly... had a slight pickled vibe, and it was very thin chiffonade of like... I want to say it was probably like cabbage and onion, and there was some dill, maybe some cilantro in there, and then... So onion, carrot, and it was like a little bit colorful. It was red cabbage. It was... Delicious. Like, okay. I would eat a mile of this. We had a lot of salad. We had a lot of salad. And I haven't even gotten into the food. Then we had, okay, so we had, <laughs> then we had, I forgot what they called them. They call them samsa. And they're basically these meat pastries. I feel like there's versions of this all over the world, too. Sure. We have, like, borek and stuff like that. This a one had a, here. yeah, like, almost a cross between a, almost like a, a puff pastry type dough, but it was a little bit more, like, firm. It had a real crunch to it. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. And they had them filled with... They had one that was filled with, I think you could get it with, I want to say lamb. Mm -hmm. And then they had one. Oh, no, we got ones filled filled with spinach and we got ones filled with pumpkin. The pumpkin was Ah. really cool. It's not pumpkin. You're thinking like cinnamon, mush. No, it was like chopped, roasted with onion and garlic and spices. And it was really, really good. And they put black and white sesame seeds on it. And by the way, so you were with your mother, your husband and your children? Mm -hmm. And was everybody as excited about this food as you were? What? <laughs> did, did your mom like it? Yeah, did my you? mom was super into it. My, mom my mom's fantasy is to go to every restaurant in New York once, and she's always told me this. I'm like, I don't think you mean that, Mom. There's a <laughs> lot of chops. Like, there's a lot right. of, like, there's a lot of, like, things, places we don't ever need to see again. But she's game for this. Yeah, she, my mom it. loves new stuff. Alex, my husband, is super into it. My son is, like, pretty curious about food, so he he's kind of like, what is this? I don't want to go. Once he sees it, he's super into it. Right. My daughter actually eats nothing, so oh. she eats, like, air and three blueberries on the average day sure. so um, but she did have some of the shell of the pumpkin pastry and uh-huh. we ended up getting her a bowl of rice at the end. she uh, eats, right. she actually likes meat so she's um, she's she likes salad yeah. and she likes meat does she get that you are a 
big food person, like that this is your career. Four. She yeah. has no very Does little abs. Get he gets it. Like yeah. soon as I wake up and he's reading one of my cookbooks, I'm like, could you just stop that? He's, he's like, like, Mom, make me this. I'm yeah, like I don't remember you making this. I'm like, you were two when I wrote the book. <laughs> Wait, so did we get through those? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh. I'm so sorry. We ordered so many things. We yeah. always do this, but we're just thinking leftovers, lunch right. boxes tomorrow. Like it's useful to but have. What were the highlights? So the highlights. So the, the highlights. The, be- the very best thing, though, and this yeah. is the thing I had took. I was so happy we had two left for lunch. Were there um, Monty? Now I have had Monty before. There are these meat dumplings. Okay, but I've had I've had Korean. Well, they're mandu, but they're of from the same word origin. Those are usually fried with meat. But I've had. Turkish Monty before, which are amazing. Okay. And they're they're like the size of the tip of your thumb, and they're usually little lamb. Usually it's lamb. I feel like they could come in beef, but I've only seen them in lamb. And they're like thimble size, and you boil them, and you cover them with like yogurt, and I feel like butter, and like oh, Aleppo yeah. pepper, sometimes they're sumac. It's so good. It's smothered. That's what I was picturing. What came out was completely different. What was it? It was like fist size. And it was wrapped really beautifully. It looked like a flower almost. Mm. And it was and had um, chopped lamb in it and some chopped onions all sauteed together. And it was and they served it with like an herbed, maybe garlicky yogurt sauce. It was so good. I was like I had a moment. Like I didn't know I'd been missing this my whole life. They were they were really giant. They were like the size of a fist. What was the name of this restaurant? Um it's called Farida. Oh, you said that Farida. And, And I feel like I you know, I did some research. I looked up Uzbek. This is absolutely what they normally look like. Right. I just hadn't had Monty. I'd learned like can be all different sizes mm-hmm. and shapes, and they all like. So I was picturing one kind, and these are. I mean, totally they couldn't. Different. They're like the opposite end of the spectrum. And did you have all of this left over today for lunch? Too? We had a couple dumplings, some of the tomato cucumber salad, uh-huh. and then I think we just had a couple little bites of meat left. And we'd ordered some of the shish. They're shish kebab, but I want to say that on the menu they call it. By, I want to say the Russian name, which is, I'm going to say it wrong. It's like shash. Oh, God. <laughs> I am married to a Ukrainian. Like, I should yeah. say this. I bre- should have had him on the Like, yeah. it's shash Okay, yeah, I'm going to yeah. say it wrong. I'm but sorry it like, I butchered it. Was a kebab, it. you said? Yeah, so like the grilled meat. And those are usually not my favorite things, just like big chunks of meat. I want to go to dinner with your family. Okay. You guys order really well. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> you ordered everything on the menu. We, we do. We do. We, because we're just thinking like, okay, well, we got to put together lunch boxes sure. in the morning. And, you know, I love having leftovers for lunch. Like, that's my favorite. Yeah, we so. can get into that because, I yeah, mean, exactly. you know, the goal of this podcast is to kind of get into your psychology a little bit using your lunch. So one thing Talk that's to ar- me. Well, one thing that's already occurring to me is just the level of enthusiasm and the level of specificity in your meal. I mean, because most people are like, just shove a hot dog in my mouth and like, <laughs> call it dinner. But the fact that you're so excited, about, I mean, have you always been this way? Did you grow up this interested in food? I mean, I was definitely like, like my, I said my daughter's really picky. I was definitely really picky as a kid. But mm-hmm. I've always, certainly after being an adult, like when I try something new and I get really excited about it, I want to like tell people about yes. it. And I want to research it. Sure. So I was like watching videos on the different ways of forming and shaping these Uzbek dumplings. Do you think you might make them for Smitten Kitchen? I don't know. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to because I feel like there's too many hurdles. You have to make a pasta dough. Yeah. I, I did do... um uh, Pelmeni earlier mm. this year and it's it's they're great but if it's not your like love language it's not your craving first you have to make a dough then you have to make the filling then you yeah. have to assemble them then you have to 
cook them. Right. And then you probably want to make some kind of sauce. It's sort of a big hurdle, but it might be fun for like a dinner party. But in terms of your starting point, like with food and cooking, because it's like we've known we've known each other for a long time. Forever. We're old <laughs> blogging friends. But, you know, I think what's, what it's so in, obvious to me right now, even just talking to you, is like what sustains you and what allows you to keep doing this is that this this probably has always been the case like where you get so excited about a new <laughs> thing that you want to share with people, right? That's exactly. And I want to yeah. run to the internet and tell you about it. So I want to like figure out how to make it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second, this dough is only eggs and flour and water. Like right. we have this. This is just cute, but they make some with pumpkin. Like yeah. wouldn't it be cool to do pumpkin ones? Right. Um, yeah. So like I feel like it would be really fun. And that's really where I get my energy. It tends to be like outside the kitchen. But okay, so you were saying when you were growing up though that you were kind of a picky eater. Mm-hmm. So when did, so w- at what age did food start to kind of click in for you? I just snapped my fingers in case people were worried, wondering what that noise was. I don't. I don't really know exactly. I was picky, but it was more like I didn't like meat very much. Right. And I didn't love eggs when I was little, but I don't know. Or maybe a better question is like, what kind of food environment did you grow up in? Was there a lot of cooking? Was there a lot of rest? I mean, you said your mom wants to eat at every restaurant in New York City. Yes, exactly. Was she like that when you were growing up? Well, growing up, my mom is um, German Jewish and like salt and pepper were a little bit edgy on the table. <laughs> like they were like, there was never garlic. Like and this is New Jersey? Uh, no, she grew up in um, Jackson Heights, Queens. Okay. Um, where there was actually been, I grew up in New Jersey okay. but um, so my mom came from this background where like I mean, it was like brisket and noodles maybe kasha and sometimes like some sauteed mushrooms like that was it okay. <laughs> maybe there would be a salad so it was like very bland and very boring and so then she met my dad and he loved like he lived in the Upper West Side and he liked Sichuan cuisine and stuff uh. and so like it definitely like broadened her horizons and she loves trying new foods now I don't know that she has like a palate for super spicy stuff right. just like how she grew up but she loves trying new stuff and was your dad wh- where what kind of Jewish person was he just like like Eastern European right. kind okay. of like but he um, he was born here I mean both my parents were born here but she was from Germany so like but different kind of approaches to yeah, yeah exactly so my dad was probably more like Polish Romanian like a whole mix I don't know I need to do my DNA thing yeah, I gotta yeah. take my DNA test one of these days I know <laughs> I need to do it to my dog we don't know what he is he's a corgi and something you so. have the most beautiful dog I know you have the, the most how did, like, how did you find such I know this is what we're here you're turning the tables no no no, no. <laughs> this is your therapy session but we found him from this company in Burbank that adopts dogs from shelters and then oh they kind of do like glamour shots and put them on Instagram so I saw his picture I was like he's beautiful <laughs> It's <coughs> absolutely me. beautiful. And I well, think oh, you have similar coloring. Oh, me and my dog? <laughs> they say you start to look like your dog after a while. Well, you came first, so... <laughs> I, mean, I was going to offer when I do the DNA, DNA, DNA test on my dog, I can do it for you, too. So okay, we'll thank you. I your, appreciate that. So your parents, I'm just trying to get this like image. So, like, you know, like, what, what, would it have been a surprise to them that their daughter would grow up to become a food expert? There were a lot of people who really liked to cook. Nobody professionally in my family. Like, my dad's mom's sisters like their dad my dad's like so my dad's grandfather had a I, I, we really honestly it's unfortunate like kind of some lot they had some diner in Midtown West really? um, like they made pancakes it was like like for a few years there in your Paul. dad's father my dad's grandfather sorry okay. and like his my grandmother and her two sisters like work the Work there after school. Oh. I didn't really get a whole lot of information on this, unfortunately, I before like we sort of lost this generation. You need to figure this all out. I know. There's it's a diner really, somewhere in Manhattan that you can go it's, find. No, it's not, because I think we figured out that it's like what Rockefeller Center is now. Like, oh. it's way back. Okay, um, so it's not there anymore. So it's like, those are the blocks. I know. It's unfortunate that we can, like... It's a Rockette's dressing room, right? Yeah, now. exactly. I think it's like an AXA um, headquarters. <laughs> okay. Um, so, right. So there, was that, so there were definitely a lot of people who were super into cooking. My grandmother was an enthusiastic cook. My mother did not know how to cook and, like, had this really, like, limited 
palate sort of coming in like to when she got married but she decided my dad decided he was going to teach her to cook and my mom was like no that's like not going to happen so she decides so one day she was home and she saw Julia Child on TV the Ah, French chef and she was like that that's what I want my mom always loved California cuisine and she loved French Ah. and that's where I feel like you're going to see it because I feel like that definitely dominates this like asparagus artichoke avocado salad omelet you know tarte tan beef burgundy like that kind of like so my mom loved to cook from Julia Child growing up like that was the 70s right yeah and we definitely had like regular baked chicken and like mm-hmm. baked potatoes and spaghetti and meatballs like kind of regular suburban you know food but it was also like I had peanut butter and jelly and right. yogurt for lunch did and you have so siblings? Like, I have an older sister and is she also interested in food? a little bit okay. not, maybe not like as insanely like she might have a more sane approach so when you were growing up and your mom would make this food would you weigh in and say mom this needs a little more salt or like this needs you know you, were, you weren't like no food just appears when you're a kid you don't yeah. really like pick it apart that much So, but when did you become so fastidious and so like such a student of cooking you know and I feel like we need to get my mom on here because she'd be like I always knew I always <laughs> I always knew. I definitely knew. Right. I remember we used to bake cakes with my best friend, yeah. but I don't think I did a whole lot of savory cooking until later. It was more for me like when I was like ostensibly became an adult and right. I was like, I don't know how to cook anything. Mm-hmm. I was really like, you just kind of assume because you can follow a recipe that you must know how to cook things. And it really bothered me that I didn't have a repertoire. Right. Like I didn't have a go-to lemon cake. I didn't have, like I knew I liked spaghetti and tomato sauce but I didn't know how to make it Um, I didn't have like a recipe for it so that's a lot where Smitten Kitchen started when as I started finding recipes and making them the way I wanted them I had to like tell people Mm. like you have to make this cake because it's very interesting. I was talking to so Melissa Clark was on here the, the uh-huh. other day, and I was talking about like the courage of saying, "This is my recipe. Like mm-hmm. I'm putting this out there for the world, and this is the recipe for spaghetti and meatballs that I call, yeah. you know." And it's like I, I I get so nervous to do it's that. Terrifying. But at a certain point now, it's like I mean, a smitten kitchen recipe is like this. Like, I mean, as an audience of yours, <laughs> if I'm gonna make like bouffe bourguignon or something, you know, it's like I'll look at yours first, and I'll be like, "Oh, this is a smitten. If smitten kitchen did this, then it must be the right way." But it, do you? think of yourself as an authority now at this point or do you still think of yourself as like an explorer who's just trying things out and you know putting things together I think I'm a little bit of both but when I get something that I know is worth sharing I'm like this is it I know I found something here like I know I look around I don't just put it out there and not like maybe I absorbed it from someplace and I didn't realize so I'll Google and make sure that I'm not like copying something without realizing it and then I'll say like here's what I do differently and I always feel like my job is to have a point of view Mm -hmm. and if I don't have a point of view on the dish I'm not going to talk about it because if I don't have something that I want to add something I think is different something I found interesting something that I feel is better or maybe just this is just the perfect balance of ingredients after finding and one of the reasons I've been trying to make I've make, made, made Irish brown bread a whole bunch of times since I've been home, and we've always enjoyed it, but I haven't found, like, I don't know, it's not hooking for me somehow. I feel like there's something, I need a thing yeah. where I feel like I'm adding something to the conversation, and if I'm not, right. I don't really want to dust off the blog to do it. Well, I think that's such an adm- admirable quality that you have, because I was even thinking about what you said earlier about books. It's like, you don't want to write a book until you are ready to, like, put something out there that you know is going to be good. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, but the, but you're in a culture where everyone's racing to get the newest recipe out there. You know, it's like people are trying to create content, and so... But what if you only had good content? I've always believed in yes. qua- you know, quality over quantity. Like, there's so much filler. There's so much, like, excess. Yes. There's so much recipe copycatting well, that's why people there. love like, you. That's why people read your blog. <laughs> so, wait, maybe we should say, because I, I feel like I know this story, but maybe it's worth revisiting 
visiting. So the, the genesis of growing up in New Jersey, having, uh-huh. you know, uh, mommy, you know, Julia Child stuff. But like, when did, I, I know a little bit, like, so Smitten Kitchen started what year? 2006. So what's the in-between? Like, what was going on between growing up in New Jersey and starting Smitten Kitchen? Like, where I mean, were you? I went to college in D.C. Okay. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I thought I'd study political science, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody does at GW, though. They're like, okay. I'm going to go study political science. Sure. I did not want to study political science. Yeah. So then I decided to be a psychology major, okay. which is why I'm very good at turning the tables on you. Yes, you're on the right podcast. Um, and then I had a fine arts minor. I did, like... I used to love oil painting and ceramics. I, like, don't do any of this stuff anymore. Well, you but you kind of do with food a little bit. I think so. Like, yeah. I just found other outlets. Yeah. Um, so, and then I was like, oh, my God, I'm graduating. I have no job prospects. Like, what was I thinking? And I heard about this five-year, like, master's program. Like, you can just stay, you know, one more year um, to become an art therapist. Oh. And so I did it. And I was like, cool, now I'm an art therapist. And then I was like, I'm not sure I love this, but okay. And then I moved to New York, and I got a job doing it. I was working at a nursing home for a few years. Wow, I don't think I knew any of those. Oh, you're going, these are the deep cuts. Yeah. Um, so I was working as an art therapist for a few years, and I just, you know, I really enjoy working with old people. Like, it was really fun, mm-hmm. but this was definitely not my calling. Oh. Meanwhile, it was probably around this time that I started, like, everybody was blogging, or, like, certainly, and I just thought it would be fun to, like, have a little outlet for creative writing and just tell some stories about mm-hmm. like dating in New York and like whatever just, just like you didn't need a focus it was like probably 2003 at this yeah, point yeah. Um, and so I started Smitten okay. um, and around I was just kind of doing it in the evening like you know just this is a little side hobby but as I was doing it more it actually surprised me by picking up a readership and I was like, I kind of wish I could write like in any way just be closer to editorial and I just kind of like begged and borrowed and pleaded until I got this job at a magazine being a editorial assistant. Okay. Um, and Which it was magazine? A, oh, it's a B2B tech magazine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's insane. I know nothing about tech and I had no business being there, but they figured out that I could write. Mm-hmm. So then I became a staff writer there. So as a reporter for a couple of years, I'm like so clueless about this stuff. But mm-hmm. like I learned how to report and what what is editorializing and what is not uh-huh. while building um, then at that and somewhere in the middle of that I switched over to Smitten Kitchen basically I'd just been writing about whatever for a few years yeah. but the food part had been like more and more catching my attention and sure. I really just wanted to talk exclusively about food and well, I was going to ask you though because as you descri- as you described Smitten you know one of the things that comes up um, I think with a lot of us who write about food, it's like we're, we're also writing about our personal lives. Mm-hmm. And there it seems to be like there's certain boundaries. It's like, okay, I, I could share this much, but I'm not going to share everything. And when you were doing Smitten, I mean, were you, were you putting it all out there? You're talking about... Certainly a lot more so, but I always understood like what I'm willing to share and what I don't want to share. Well, where's and the boundary for you? I don't know. It's like somewhere in my gut. Like, you just it's know just, what you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, I mean, I always like my thing is if I feel like if I got to this point where I was like, I don't know, I'm a little nervous, I just wouldn't publish it right, right. away. Maybe I'd sit on it for three days. Maybe yeah. I'd sit on it for a week. Maybe I would just table it till a time I didn't. I was okay feeling more. Maybe I never got back to it. Maybe it got folded into a better written story that was less about oversharing and more about a good story. Well, it's a, it's a strange culture of the internet because on the one hand, it rewards people who like just overshare to death. I mean, there's people out there like, I know more mm-hmm. about their sex lives than I know about my own, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, but it kind of works for them. I mean, the people who are good at that are really good at that and they somehow they somehow find a way to kind of make their personal sex lives like universal or, or tell a story that goes beyond and, and on the other end you have like food bloggers and people who are like you know we're writing about broccoli we're writing mm-hmm. about I know. casseroles but we are also 
I, I don't think that that in and of itself would be interesting. It's like, you know, we're like opening the door into our worlds and our lives. And, you know, and it's, it's sort of like somewhere in the middle is, you know, there's, I guess, a balance. I, guess. I don't think food, like broccoli is not intrinsically interesting, right. but where it intersects with your life yes. can be. So I sort of feel like what's going on, what led to broccoli, like tell yes. me like what led to brown bread, what led to mount, like it's not always the juiciest story, but I just feel like I want to see like how food is knitting into the world around it. And I yes. think that makes it more interesting either whether it's on a map or it's through other food you've tried or what your expectation for the dish was versus what it was versus like thinking it was going to be really simple and realizing mm-hmm. you're like absolutely horrible about making it but I feel like there should be a story there and also a character I mean I feel like what makes a good movie or a good <laughs> play or anything is like a good character and it's like I think that's also what makes successful food blogs successful is that the people who run them are, are big personalities you know it's like we know we know your voice when we read your blog it's like oh this is Deb talking it's yeah, we, we, no, so had you always had a voice like that? I mean, was that what Smitten was like, too? Probably. That probably. And I don't know, like, how I developed a voice. Like, right. you know, but I just, I um, I don't know. I just always, I was always just trying to make it sound the way it sounded in my head. I was never really interested in writing the way you're supposed to write. Mm-hmm. And I was never really interested in writing recipes the way you're supposed to write recipes. And I didn't really care how long you're saute, supposed to saute onions. And being somewhat free from that, yes. being like kind of exhausted by that, not wanting to add to the pile of people saying the same things, I think somewhat freed me to sound like myself. Right. If it does, if I can't, if it doesn't sound like me and I have to like force it. Yes. I'm never going to stick to it. How do you handle things, though, like um, in terms of putting yourself out there, you know, as much as you're in charge of that, how do you handle it when people feel like they know you or like they'll leave comments like, you really shouldn't give your children blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's like, does it bother you or do you just sort of let it roll right off? I let it roll. You know why? Because, like, why? (laughs) You're going to, like, share yourself with people and then be like, appalled that they act like they know you right like exactly. that's really like that's not you like that's really weird and also like it's generally a warm thing yes. like it's generally and sometimes it's not but it's not like you can't if people easily get under your skin like this is definitely the wrong line of work uh-huh. I know I, I know there are a few people like they never read the comments I love reading the comments yeah, like you I always with all your comments I read all the comments like it's probably like a huge drain on my psyche but I don't find like at some point when I'm tired like I'm like okay I'm a little break right. from the feedback on this I'm good sure. <laughs> but for the most part I really want to hear how it's going for people and I want to hear how like I want to hear sometimes as soon as I'll make a recipe and this is more earlier on when I was still like kind of figuring out how to cook more mm-hmm. but I would get like this is so silly Deb you gotta yeah you gotta use this method this method right. and then I would try to be like thanks and it made me a better cook so. what about like comments like that looks like barf or like I used to do I'm like, like oh, I did like a green risotto once. oh <laughs> like, I just screenshot that and like share it with my friends yeah, yeah, no, no I mean I just I that I would probably delete I don't have to do it a whole often just because it's gonna distract the conversation that everyone's like that was very rude you know yeah. and then it's like now we're talking about a stupid comment and it was like nobody's saying that didn't want to get attention so it sounds like you have a very healthy attitude about your readers I've been doing this for a long time. But um, there have been times where like people have like recognized me and I've been like a little bit uncomfortable. But sure. for the most part, it's always been... That's like a very... I mean, I can probably say like two times ever, like where it was just like a kind of... Con- but more it's like the ca- being caught off guard thing. In general, though, I feel like this is kind of the best case scenario of how things could have come out. Yeah. So it's hard to be like upset when somebody acts like they know you or like feels invested, even if it's a little bit like... I mean, maybe you don't, but it's like, right. yeah, why? I don't know. Do you feel like um, 
you know, in terms of creating content now that you understand who your readers are, though, basically, and like, when, like when you create something, like if you're doing a recipe and coming up with something, are you thinking this will do, this will do really well? People are going to really want this right now, or is it more just like what you're into and you're just going to share it? Like, how much is about pleasing an audience, and how much is just having a log of what you're doing? And- it's very much of a mix, but it's not unlike I think other ways that we express ourselves, where I'm looking for an overlap between things that I find fascinating Mm -hmm. and like how I'm going to convince somebody who would be not convinced that it would I'm not going to make something I don't want to eat right but I also have recipes I'm like I'm never like I'm like I don't know if I'm ever going to get to this because it's just I haven't figured and then one day I'll be like wait wait I found the hook and then I'll work it but I have these ideas in the back of my mind that I'm just not even going (laughs) to get into um, that are just they're just they're too complicated or there's too many hurdles or whatever but I feel like I'm looking for a good balance between telling you about something that I'm excited about Mm -hmm. but in a way that you could actually have it too yeah because I feel like like the most recent one was like scones right uh-huh. and it's like folded over and cinnamon sugar it's like like I can sense why that's exciting too like when I saw it I was like oh yeah that, I've never seen one like that you know it's sort of like I share your enthusiasm what, you're it was so look. interesting yeah. because that recipe and this is where I sometimes trap myself too much and I'm yeah. trying to like shake this off a little bit yeah. but I'd made them for my son's birthday just because I'd seen them on the internet and then I, I'd seen them in the book but I think that I think it was like I saw it on Pinterest and then I was like, wait, I have that book. I'm like, how did I not notice this in this book? Yes. And then I, I made them just because it was my son's birthday. I'm like, oh, these are cool. I'm like, I'll never share them. And then this is like a very weird thing where I'm like, why would, because I'm like, I have enough scone recipes. It's just cinnamon sugar. Like I always like, there's nothing special. Yeah. Like they just look cool. Yeah. And then I had a really busy week and I just had really nothing in the queue. I'm like, dad. Share those great scones; they'd be so nice. And I, this is I, this is just my own like mental yeah, trap. Like you know, it. we're like you no, know, I was, so I have to shake that off sometimes too. And I was so glad I did. I think I had like three hundred pictures of them by like a day later, like That's of amazing. people because they're just they're fun and they're delicious. And sometimes I, I too get caught on this. Int- like I need an editorial angle. Like I want it to be a new innovation and in something. But it was just it was just a really funny. But it's it's I think it's maybe interesting to know that I was like oh I'm not going to share that. That's yeah. just. It's out there already. It's not interesting. Well, we, I asked you about like how you react to specific comments, but how do you react? Because this, this is something I struggle with, too, is like when you get so excited about something and you put it out there, like, I can't wait for the world to see this, and then it's like a dud. It's like, it's like oh, like nobody wanted to I know. You know I'm experience like, that. No, so. I'm not mad. <laughs> Every so often, like somebody will comment on an old recipe that I love that like no, never really got any pickup, and I'm like, thank you for making this. Well, perfect. what's an example? Like, What are some of the ones that you thought were going to be huge hits that just weren't, or maybe the other way around? Like, oh, ones my that, God. I mean, maybe it's easier to say, like, what are the ones that you didn't think would be popular and then became super popular? Or is it- Like broccoli slaw? Oh. I mean, are you kidding me? I made this broccoli slaw, like, yeah. 10 years ago, and uh-huh. it shocked me. It was like, the salad I craved a lot when I was pregnant. My um, my cousin, my husband's cousin makes it a lot for family stuff, and it's just chopped raw broccoli and mm-hmm. um, some nuts, some dried cranberries, like a little, like, a ranch-ish, you know, yeah. like, buttermilk dressing. and delicious. It's so good. I could, like, inhale bowls of it, and it was, like... <laughs> well, it's never going to be as popular as like a chocolate peanut butter cake yeah. but it's like it was shockingly popular like probably one of the most popular savory recipes on the site do you so need a, a mandolin to slice the broccoli you don't okay. you totally can but I usually just do it by hand anyway oh okay I'll, I'll give that a try um 
So yeah, broccoli has always been like a huge surprise to me. Yeah, that's like me um, too. That, that was my most popular recipe of all wh- time. Which was it? It was the best broccoli of your life. It was oh, Ina Garten's roasted broccoli. I love that. And I, for years, like I, I like all the advertising on my blog and all the money I made was only because I had like the number one result for broccoli <laughs> recipe. And then somehow I was dethroned by oh. somebody else. But um, Wait, the thing is that you were never just sharing your recipe. You were right. sharing your story. It was funny. Sure. You had these hilarious stories. Oh, thank you. You're a writer. You're a personality. You're interesting. So right. It's like it's not just like here's here's a broccoli recipe, and that to me is what stands apart. Like I want to know not just the recipe, but who's making it. I know the internet may not fully agree with me, and that's fine. Not yeah. every recipe website, but to me, like recipe databases cannot provide that for me. Not at all. No, and and, and it has to do with trust too. It's like my favorite mm-hmm. um, recipe resources are the people who I trust, and I trust you, and I trust Melissa Clark and David Leibovitz, and you know mm-hmm. uh, New York Times, Food Fifty Two. Like there are certain ones I just trust, and then yeah. and then but if you Google like chili recipe and some random things pop up. You're like, what is this? And Who are Google these tells me it's five stars, and then I look and there's only one review, and I'm like, what do I do with this information? Like, what's going on with this algorithm? Like, well, I think though, as I get further along, though, I can kind of hear the recipe in my head, mm-hmm. so I can kind of read a recipe. Like, okay, I kind of get what they're doing there. It's like you know, chilies and adobo, there's mm-hmm. onions. Okay, you know, so I can kind of gauge if I think I'm going to like it or not. I feel like um, I was going to say that I uh, I often um, I if it's something I have no idea, like I'm blind, I'm like I just can't picture what this is going to taste like yeah. I'll start looking at my own recipes because I know I've made them uh, I'll look right. at the formula that I use for this cake or this muffin I'm like okay so it's going to be a little bit like these plum muffins but a little bit more like I kind of use that as a guide mm-hmm. for my language like yeah well I'm curious in terms of your um, psychology or, or who mm-hmm. you are because I was thinking a little bit about when you talked about art therapy and doing art therapy and that, that was where, how you started like do you see any parallels between that and what you do now because I do kind of think that what you do is soothing it comforts people <laughs> it's helping people kind of slow down and like connect more <laughs> I mean maybe I'm telling you the answer but, but do you no, see any connection if you would ask me this even like four years ago I'd be like no that's weird why would, right. why would I like no that's totally different and then I've like sort of lately realized that like a lot of what I feel like I'm trying to say is like it's fine sometimes cake batters are yes. lumpy like it's okay the chicken is going to release from the pan so wait and I'm like I feel like uh-huh. that's like I get that sort of like my vibe and a lot of like when you were talking about by the way the line of what I share and what I don't share a lot of what I think of are things that I feel like are a little angsty for me but actually very common sure so those are the things that I feel like are interesting to share like there's like a thing there where I want to be like oh my god it's completely normal to wake up some Friday mornings and be like oh my god I have to make another lunchbox like what is even happening like where did this system fall apart and I think that makes you so human though it's like you know, and even with me, when Craig Craig is in New York right now, I mean, I'm in New York right now, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, he's gone for like a month, and so like I've been ordering in food so much. Oh my like, God, like, why would you cook for one? I'm sorry. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I mean, eventually you'll probably break and cook yourself something. Yes. But it's very hard. It's a great opportunity to like try all of your old favorites. And I always say this to people: like, it's like make yourself miss the kitchen mm-hmm. instead of like berating yourself over not feeling like cooking. Right. I have my weeks. Just try to get by. We do some like frozen tortellini mm-hmm. or like you know where the, the you create like the palmeni or whatever. Right. But we we'll just kind of get some rotisserie chicken. Maybe I'll make a salad. Like take it easy, and then finally you're like, oh my god, right. I want to cook and let it come back. But I think for you, I mean, what I'm curious about because I, I was thinking about this with myself too is like how much of cooking for people is to is to like 
help others, please others, feed others, nurture others, and how much is it for yourself too? Because I'm wildly selfish. Is that selfish, really? Yes, oh, I that's, want that's something. I want. I want to share it. I always want to have like. I wish like I want a bigger apartment so I can have more dinner parties. I actually love having dinner parties. I love having people over, but it's also so I can cook exactly what I want and be barefoot and not have to leave my apartment. Yeah. Like, there's nothing more. You know, like you go out to eat a lot and like oh, yeah. you've had a really lousy steak that you've spent a lot of money on. You're like, I can make steak at home. Right. I it, have a rule with dinner parties now where, and this is hard in LA. but You do you, it so much. I do it all the time. I but love if somebody's it. on a diet, if they're like, I'm on a diet, I'm like, then let's not have you over. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's, like, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, that's not fun. Like, I mean, I, I totally get it if like you're, if you can't have gluten, if you can't, you know, that's yeah, fine. That's, or like you're vegetarian, yeah, like it's not a fine. big deal. But if it's, you're just holding back on everything. Yeah, because I have friends who are like, hey, I need to lose weight because I'm going to be doing blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great. Like, let's go to a restaurant. Because <laughs> like, I'm not going to like take like six hours and like make a meal that and then like serve you as sliver of kit, you know. And it's also like very like inadvertently they might end up like kind of food shaming other people because you'll Probably. think like you're like well I made this greens mm-hmm. and grain soup and someone will be like oh it's too much for me and you're like you know what I mean? You you're think right. you're doing like oh, yeah. something After wholesome, all of that. yeah, I and know. you're kind of still like you know it's just fine. I just think that like I feel like dieting is very personal sure. and just you should just keep it to yourself but I think when people come to a dinner party I will say to their credit like it is a little scary for some people to like go to an environment not know what's about to come out of the kitchen Mm -hmm. and you know so I I do get that a little bit but I think part of the fun of it is if you're open to it and new experiences yeah and and it sounds like that's what you're you know even your dinner last night was just sort of like you wanted a new experience absolutely yeah Yeah, no I can't I mean how many like I love kale salad, but come on, really. So, so your lunch today was the leftovers from last night. Mm-hmm. But like, what would be a typical? I mean, is it often just like whatever? No. no, I'm actually quite lousy at lunch. When I have leftovers, I have a good lunch. If I have lunch plans, I have a good lunch. The rest of the time, yeah. I have a very weird schedule during the day, mm-hmm. and I kind of like. I'm quite terrible at lunch. We once had a lunch that inspired a post on your blog. It did. We went out to the stand and we had the toasted marshmallow milkshake, and it incredible. was so good. I've never actually tried your recipe because I think it was like such like a, a like a wonderful memory in my brain. I mean, actually, I have tried your recipe. I take that back. I totally did your recipe. It was delicious. So, yeah. You should go. But if you keep, I still get comments every year or two. Like I used to work there. Actually, it was made this way. So like, there's a yeah. lot of like deep cut knowledge oh, in there. Oh wow! Um, in the comments, it's very interesting. But, but you just broiled the marshmallows, right? I broiled them. Just because yeah. I was like, well, no, I'm going to stand over a campfire <laughs> in my like, you know, yeah. East Village kitchen. That's definitely going to happen. But it's a really quick way of getting the effect, okay. plus getting really good color on all of them at the same time. No, it was great. Um, I just had forgotten that I'd made it because I don't think at that point like so I was blogging hard. anymore or anything. So I think I just sort of did it. But um, yeah, I mean, if you guys are listening and you've never made a toasted marshmallow milkshake, <sighs> go to Smitten Kitchen. But we were both celebrating because we had both sold our first books. And that's then, right. We had the same agents. Yeah, I forgot Barbers. about yeah. that. That's, that's awesome. A, so, um, so you are right now. So you finished your second book uh-huh. and now you're kind of you're not in any rush to write the third no I am I'm not like not in a rush I just mean like it's 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 the pr- the ball is like <laughs> nudging you yes. know like it's starting to roll it's not rolling <laughs> how do you handle the um you know, the stresses of you know writing a book and like doing all the work I mean is it something that you know, are you just, are you a very regimented person? Do you like make a schedule for yourself? Do you have like post-it notes stuck everywhere? Like what's your process like when you write a cookbook? I try so hard. I'm like, I'm going to be organized. I'm super organized. I have the skill, but I just, I'm like, have too many hats yes. and it just gets muddled. Like even, even this, I do this on Monday. I'm like, oh, I have so many things I've been putting off doing. And I'm like, right. I literally am like 15 minutes of this and I would set a timer and make myself try to regiment it. But I'm very bad at it. I kind of want my brain to like flit off uh-huh. and like, 
But um, I try. That's what I really have like like ten things to do, and I'm like, I just have got to get this done. I do not want to wake up tomorrow and have the same ten boring things on my to do list. So but I feel like you're a very efficient. Per- I mean, it's like to think about like I mean, I, in a lot of ways, I feel like Smitten Kitchen is like a one woman like magazine like it's like you're doing so many tap like photography and promote you know seo whatever the stuff that you have to do uh, whatever you do. i mean but it's like you know you as much as like it it might feel like chaos it's like you must you must be a pretty organized person to get everything done that you get done no? if you know i'm not i'm really not like i know what needs to be done but right. i also am just like and i've thought about this so much i was like I was keynoting this food blogger conference, I want to say, in the spring or last winter at some point. And it was very interesting. And I wanted to talk about, like, how, why is it? Because of, like, this early model that maybe you and I were inadvertently responsible for, all of these people feel like they need to be photographers, videographers, social media specialists, SEO specialists, light coding, also writers. Like, that's wild. Yes. Like, if you had a food column in a magazine or a newspaper, right. you would just be expected to write mm-hmm. and be able to develop a recipe. And it's just very interesting that we think we're supposed to be able to do all these. I happen to like the kind of dabbling in different areas, but I also spend a lot of time trying to figure out which parts I can shed without yes. compromising anything I consider like essential to in- my integrity or like my vision or my voice. And that's been the trickiest thing for me as I've been doing this so many years. Well, you've built such a great platform that it feels like now you can concentrate on the recipes and the photography and the, you know, the right, re- you know, the I can, but there's so many other things that have to be done. And, like, can I outsource it? Like, I mean, can somebody else email for me? Somebody else can't respond to my comments. Can somebody else be like, I don't really want to let that go. And so it's not, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be very efficient at this job. But I'm also, like, I won't let go of things. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to sound like me. So when you cook, are you, um, if I were to, like, walk into your kitchen Mm -hmm. mid-cook, mid-recipe, are you... <laughs> oh really? So you would not? You couldn't chat? You would. It get... depends on what it is. If I'm really like in it, yes. I'm trying to like just. I'm trying. I actually write. What you were gonna ask? Like, what were you gonna ask? Sorry. Well, like, is it what I see? Like pots and pans everywhere. What I see, like dirt all over the, the countertops. <laughs> I mean, like, are you wiping things? Down? Like, are you cleaning as you go? Like, what kind of cook are you in the moment? I clean between phases of the recipe, but yes. I'm not a clean as I go. Like, if the sink's not like full, and I want, I can't, I have time to get into another recipe. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Like, I'll just push it to the end of the day, and then my husband comes home like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get to the dishes." Right. Like, so passive. Like, and what about like the whole like? Cooking magazine, like you know, the the whole famous thing of like we make we made this recipe sixty times to like until we perfected it. I mean, like you're one person, so it's like it would oh. be impossible for you to do that. So like, how how much do you when you do a new post on Smitten Kitchen, like how much work goes into a, a recipe? I mean, are you okay? So I just feel like when someone says we made this sixty times, I imagine it's because they were struggling with fifty eight of them, mm-hmm. right? Like it wasn't like it landed. Right. So for me, it's more the question is how many times am I willing to make something before I say it's just not worth it? I'm kind of sick of this. Right. For me, it might just be a couple times or I need to have a fresh angle there I am in the middle of hundreds of recipes that I just tabled including what might happen with this brown bread where I love it I'm making it it's good but I feel like I'm not there yet and I don't want to share it and then figure out in six months what I wanted to say about it Mm -hmm. how I wanted to tweak it so that's or maybe I'll get it right this week but I just mean like I'm only going to make it so many times before I just table it and I take very detailed notes so that when I'm like ooh I want to get back to that brown bread because I had this one at this cool restaurant and like it got me thinking about how I might adjust mine to make it a little bit more interesting to me tell us about your notes because that came up earlier because you had the notes from last night's dinner so are there notes of everything like is your phone filled with notes no well I I use Google Docs for everything is it a beautiful mind 
No, it's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing beautiful about this morning. <laughs> no, there's much more from earlier, actually, before I came here, because I was, like, eating my lunch, and I was like, oh, let me, let me like, take a look, because I'm sort of curious. Like, I'd never seen a fold on the dumplings before, and I was, I thought I knew where Uzbekistan was, but I wanted to look it up, and, right. like, you know, which which are Central Asian countries and which are not. And I feel like this makes me sound very uneducated, but I don't think it's abnormal no, to I know like, yeah. exactly which countries, off the top of your head, are each region and where they lay. And I always think of that, like when you're thinking of food, like if it's next to Russia, what does that mean for Russian food near there? And what does it mean for you know Central Asian food in Russia? Like mm-hmm. what does it mean if Pakistan's two countries over? Like, right. What, but I'm curious, like, like are the notes... Um, like when you're doing a recipe, like what, what what would we see on like for example the scone recipe? Like what would your notes say? Like you would see like round one made it this way, and I always try to like just write. I would rather write it because you know I've been there where I've yeah. t- made something and I didn't write down what week I'd made mm-hmm. or whatever. So it'll usually start with I usually go into the kitchen with a framework and it's in a document, and then I take notes. I've got the laptop on one counter as I'm doing it mm-hmm. um, and so it's like quarter teaspoons I'm like and then I, so I basically try to write what I consider the best case scenario of the recipe working based on previous versions of these types of things I've made what I know of the recipe notes I've gotten like mm-hmm. really so that takes me a long time just to get to a written recipe and uh-huh. then having the ingredients then as I'm doing it I'm like oh no half a teaspoon of salt then I erase that I see, oh, so you're adjusting I'm adjusting as I go and I'm typing and typing and typing so I'm like rushing that's why I'm like okay actually you know no, no, three tablespoons of yeah, three <laughs> tablespoons of flour was fine. So I take really, really tight notes. How do you handle having your children around when you're doing all this? I don't. Oh, okay. No, I don't. I don't. People are like, "How do you do with kids underfoot?" I'm like, "I this is my job." No, yeah. they're at school. I'm oh, working. Right. So you yeah. do it while they're at school. Yeah. No, okay. I mean, there's certain cooking that happens on the weekend, but it's not something where I would have to be like, mm-hmm. shh, because that will never happen. So, do you know when you're cooking for Smitten Kitchen versus when you're just cooking for yourself or your family? Absolutely. I usually do. Now, what I'm hoping often when I'm cooking for my family family is that it might turn into something or that I'll I for a long time I, I couldn't really figure out how to work out like I had so many recipes I was developing and only some of them were dinner mm-hmm. and what did that mean at five o'clock when everyone's hungry right like, like what does that mean how, yes. <laughs> what does it mean is it does not mean good things I yes. learned then I finally realized that a really fun thing to do at five o'clock is to take that recipe that Adam made this week or that David posted like that's sort of my time of trying new recipes that I see that interest me or dusting off an old Smitten Kitchen one that like somebody told me they had a problem with but like that's when did you make the mint chip chip ice cream I did it was you're an influencer I I was like I just bought this ice cream maker and it was perfect and I loved it my kids are like it tastes like grass (laughs) (laughs) and I I was like fine it's mine oh Um, that's so funny so yeah yeah, it's just just, and I love being able to act on the suggestions that come through my socials so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like uh, a food blog that I follow like had this poached chicken and a ginger scallion sauce we made it for dinner it was delicious it took 15 minutes maybe it'll turn into something worth mentioning well this is a therapy podcast but it's but I have to ask you because having been a blogger and knowing that you're still blogging like what is your attitude about the state of blogging now like what is it like what does it mean to have a blog in 2019 like what is a blog anymore I have read like I had a dollar for every death of blogging article like yeah. blogging is over long with blogging sure. I'm like I cannot even I always feel like weird when we're talking about blogging being over or begun or whatever we're talking about a very specific diary-ish type way of writing that may not be that but I always just thought of it as self-publishing mm-hmm. which is to say that 
I didn't have any magazine that would hire me because I was a nobody with no cooking experience. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to make my own online magazine. Yes. And I'm still doing it. So this idea that there's no room for that today, I don't really know why. If you were a writer that couldn't really get hired or was trying to build up your clips, why not build a little side of it? I understand it's not the most relevant relevant way to get yourself out there but if you truly want to do paragraph for paragraph writing like instagram captions are not the same thing well i think i think the key to what you just said which is really interesting to me because i went the other direction recently but it's like the quality of it all like if like when you use the word magazine it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're approaching your blog like a magazine in the sense that you're putting a lot of work into the recipes, a lot of work into so mm-hmm. the quality is so high that it, it's almost indistinguishable from what you would find in a magazine, except it's also, so. it's also personal. But yeah. whereas like for me to be able to blog again now these days, I, I kind of went the other way. Like I was like, forget like fancy photography, forget everything. So I've just been like just casually writing on it. It's mostly, it's mostly just for me, but in terms of like making it successful, it's like, it's probably better to be like the nicer one. I don't know. When you're at a point where every site has like 16 glossy photos yes. that are perfectly lit when propped in a studio and gone through like you know is it no maybe it's a little more interesting not to I'm not saying it can't be but like when things are formulaic Mm -hmm. do it your vision like when somebody's like how would I start blogging today I'm like well you know understand that you know, traditionally what we talk about is blogging is not like the biggest thing right now, but do you have something to say? Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you need to do it the way everybody else. You don't need three paragraphs, 18 process photos. Like, do right. it your own way. Do you still find it fun? I do find it fun. Okay, I, good. I don't like, for me, the photos are the least interesting part, so I don't really like, I do what I consider like the bare minimum. I want them to like, look the way I want them to look, but I, I don't like... But they look gorgeous. I mean, they're beautiful pictures. I've just figured out. I shoot on auto. I figured out like which hours sort of work in the kitchen, right, and I do like light. light. Yeah, like what light edits I can do. But that's not. I mean, if you're going to look at recipe development, writing, and photo editing, like uh-huh. which there you're going to have one that you're the least passionate about. So right. that's it. Um, but I can't. I really enjoy doing those Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of find a way to try doing Instagram story demos, but I didn't want to add any work to my life. Right. Because I can't, and I didn't want to have to bring in a millennial to do it for me. <laughs> and then I figured out I could just clip my phone to the pot rack above and use things like the Hyperlapse app, which is all I do to do these Instagram oh, demos. Records like and then like exactly, and then quickly. I can shrink it to like whatever oh, size I want I it to be or chop it. It's really fun, nice. and I ended up really enjoying it. So it's sort of like it is extra work, but it's not like you know. I was like, what's the easiest way I can get? to me the like the vision of what I want you to know which is that this is simple mm-hmm. um, and you know like I don't know so <laughs> I'm always trying to think like what do I need people to really know about this yes. and let's focus on that but you're not- still enjoying it and that's very obvious that's like you're, 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 this is like what you're meant to do so uh, I still get to do it for a little bit longer of course you're going to be around forever. there is no guarantee of until anything. Anna Garten like Willy Wonka's you and like invites you to her mansion oh and God, says I'm giving this to you <laughs> I would like be number 99 on her list uh, I don't believe it alright so at the end of every podcast I like to ask um, what are you going to have for dinner tonight Oh my God, that is such a good question. So this is a really good example of like, I'm working on this roasted cabbage thing that's super delicious, Mm -hmm. may not be all of dinner. So maybe that's, also I'm playing tennis tonight. So my husband and I play tennis on Mondays. And so I'm I'm like a late in life jock, by the way. This is like, very. I know what is even happening. That's great. Like, so, (laughs) um, so because I realized between the biking, I had to comment on it. Um, So um, I have tennis night. So we're not even home. The babysitter is going to be with the kids. So I'm always like, we always end up just leaving them like, we're chicken or maybe I'll do some sort of pasta bake though I'm trying to wean myself off 
cooking for the babysitter because I think this is not a healthy way to spend my time when the kids are perfectly happy with frozen chicken nuggets. Right. So we'll see. I do want to get the this. The babysitter is like listening like, ah. Uh-huh, no, she's probably like, why is she killing herself? And then the kids are like, I have a lot easier time getting my kids to eat like difficult foods if I'm there. Okay. Like, I'll come home and she'll be like, they didn't want the broccoli. I'm like, they eat broccoli. Like, you know, so, so it's you like, need to physically like, be there. Make it simple. So, so will you and your husband have a different dinner? Then we'll probably get something different. We might just order something. Oh, come so you'll, you'll come back home and you'll order in? Yeah. And what unless is, there's leftovers. And what does Smitten Kitchen order when she orders in? I don't know. I mean, I just had this like super crazy lunch, so I'm not sure, but I will tell you that last week we ordered um, kati rolls and samosa chat from this um, street food place street like Indian street food place in my neighborhood it was so good but I probably like it was like 95% pride what I ate so I'm like, oh, really? oh, I'm not gonna do that tonight for dinner again do you eat I mean f- I mean in terms of like the food that you order it seems like you're really interested in food from other cultures and so mm-hmm. is that like is that pretty common is that mostly like what you'll I mean, yeah, I can't, uh, not always. I like, I just can't really think of like an American food or like Italian place that I really like to order from. I feel like it's a lot, there's a lot better delivery from like not my usual scope. But I love, like I'm completely obsessed with the flavors of chat. Uh And I have been trying like in my head for years, trying to figure out if I could do a recipe for a chat like we, we, we're, that didn't require too many trips to a specialty store like I feel like you're allowed one hurdle in a recipe and after that like um, what is chat? I feel like I should know what that I, is it's well I'm gonna it's like a it's a type of I'm gonna I feel like I don't have the exact definition <laughs> it's but it's often like a, a, a sweet salty spicy snack and sometimes like you oh, know okay. um, it might be like some vegetables and some like there might be some chutney and some sev which are those like little noodles on it and like some herbs and definitely some chilies and like usually it's a mix of stuff like yeah. um, and uh, maybe it'll be like a potatoes with some chickpeas on it and then a bunch of like crunch but it's like the yogurt and the chutneys and the sweet sour salty mm. crunch I know it's so good you're so enthusiastic too it's <laughs> you want it right, I know we got completely <laughs> t- uh, anyway sorry so I don't know what I'm eating for dinner let's just say a salad after all the other stuff I've been <laughs> eating this that. weekend I need a salad right, one final question because I'm just curious if I were to open your refrigerator right now what would I find in there you would find way too many jams and like nut butters and condiments like we're always like why can't I fit anything in the fridge it's because yeah. we have an ins- obscene amount of condiments do you make the jams? no oh. though I did see you made jam and that's definitely something I want to do I don't have like that I don't have like a plethora of like perfectly ripe plums right now usually uh, if I do if we're eating them you so just go to the farmer's market and um, just buy way too much put it in the bowl <laughs> let it get old and then just like throw it in a pot with sugar and turn on the heat and it was so easy that I can't believe that I, I made that I want I want to do it I'm super I, I love watching well that's how you do it and then I always watch David making it and he yeah. always makes his own jam and I'm super inspired um no just like way too many things and I actually really need to do a green market run I'm going to see if I have time after this oh, yeah. and pick up some we really could use some like good I feel like if I just pick up some random vegetables at the market on Monday we like eat better all week so Sounds we'll great. see Deb thank you so much for um, being on the podcast thanks it was great seeing you <laughs> it was good to see you too alright